This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Find freedom, joy, and purpose. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you currently face, there is hope. You deserve a life worth living, full of joy and free from distress. You deserve a space to become your best self. Valeria interviews Christian Holmes. He is an associate marriage and family therapist with a master's degree in clinical psychology. Christian has had the privilege of helping clients from all walks of life actualize their health, wealth, relationships, and higher purpose. He works with a lot of clients struggling with anxiety, depression, trauma, and self-esteem issues. Before coming to the field of psychology, Christian was blessed to have had a successful career in the music industry as a writer and producer that traveled between Los Angeles and Nashville. Through that process, he was forced to overcome his own fears, anxieties, insecurities, and self-doubts. Therapy not only got him through, it helped him build confidence around who he could be and what life could look like. Navigating emotions and relationships can be challenging. Christian knows what it's like to feel stuck and hopeless. He also knows what it's like to have had success and wonder, what's next? Something he often says to his clients when we get started is, you're not alone in this anymore. He is on your side, and although Christian can't take the pain away, He is here to help you face it, transcend it, and transform in the process. Your experience is important. He looks forward to getting to know you and supporting you in your journey. Meet Christian at ChristianHolmesTherapy.com. Here's the interview with Christian Holmes. In your own words, who is Christian Holmes? That's a great question. I'd say that I am somebody who loves helping others actualize their potential more than winning. I think I love seeing others win, whatever that means to them. Um, And I see the work I do as a therapist as really being about healing. And I think that's what as people, when we're in the our, our, our best state, that's what we're doing. We're we're supporting one another. We're healing one another, and so that's how I define me. What inspired you to become a therapist, Christian? So my journey to therapy is, uh, in in some ways, a, a very familiar one for a lot of therapists. In some ways, a, a little different. Um, what's familiar is, I think every therapist would say that we were the person on the playground 
that everyone went to to talk about their uh, boy trouble or girl trouble. We were the secret keepers. We were the ones that, that people trusted. And uh, we loved that. We felt that that was a sacred space. I, I still obviously do to this day. Um, and I became a therapist because uh, as a teenager, I had a therapist and that therapist was incredibly influential on me. And I saw the, uh, the power of that. And, um, and not from a standpoint of, I get to influence people's lives, but I get to journey alongside with people. And there's just so much beauty in that process. And so, um, when the timing was right, that's, uh, that's the, that's the, uh, the path I went down. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a familiar. You ask any therapist, we're gonna have some story kind of similar to that. We're we're all story holders, and it's such a blessing, mm. such a blessing. Yeah, it really sounds like it. Another question that comes to me in the moment is, what opens us up to healing? How do we know when we are ready to be healed? In a sense of seeking support and help from therapists or a friend or whoever? Yeah, I think that's a great question. When is someone ready for healing? I, I think um, healing is as far away as you decide it to be, right? I think we have a lot of beliefs around what healing is and what healing means and um, do I even need healing for this? Am I deserving of healing? What I've found with a lot of clients is that there's a lot of beliefs and, and, and – uh, uh, men, you know, th things that we grow up thinking, um, things that we learn to think that really influence our beliefs around healing and change and transformation. And so sometimes it's hard to see that healing can be a phone call away. Healing can be that therapist's office that's 15 minutes away. Healing can be that talk with a spouse or a friend. Healing is right there. It's just, are we ready to experience it? And that, that becomes that personal question of, are, are we okay with challenging what we believe? What's comfortable? So another question that comes to me is the uh, measurements for healing. How do we know when we are healed? Do you believe in such a thing? And one day really saying, I am healed. I am there as a destination. Yes, yes. Well, I, and I think I'm really, I'm really glad you said that about the. Do you believe in such a thing? I, I believe in it as much as as um, as as a, a person does, right? And I guess what I mean by that is, in terms of healing, I don't believe that people are broken. So, then is is there anything to be fixed? Is there anything to be healed? I suppose so. I suppose it, it depends on how we define it, but. I think you're right. It's it's hard to measure it. Um, you know, in, in psychology, we would say, well, you can you can give someone a PHQ nine, and we can see how they score, and we can when we can track progress. And yeah, that's possible. But I don't know that healing is so linear, and I don't know that it always that these metrics that we have always completely encapsulate our healing. And and then I guess if we zoom out even further to, to kind of address the first thing that I said. Um, is it is it healing after all, or are we just growing? Are we just transforming? Is that what's happening, right? Is, was there anything wrong with us to begin with? Or was it more that we just realized we were ready to be something different? We were ready to grow 
into what we know we could be. And we took steps in a different direction. Wow. So how about, I know that's not a, a, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, love that. a straightforward <laughs> answer, but it is my answer. That sounds very spiritual to me in a sense of uh, spiritual teachings that I have come across, the most profound ones, actually. It's so spiritual coming from that spirituality, if we can define it that. So do you have any spiritual belief systems or ideas, views? Yeah, yeah. So I, I uh, grew up and still identify as a Christian. Uh, so that's, that's very much informed how I view the world, how I view people, how I view connection, um, ideas of spirit, uh, but I've done a lot of studying around, uh, you know, Buddhism, the Tao Te Ching, um, as well as, um, you know, just other Eastern philosophies. I, I think there's a lot of value in looking um, at a person as as more than just a human being. It's sort of a spiritual being, right? That's having a human experience. And uh, it's it's hard, I've found, uh, to, to be a therapist and not address the spiritual element because so much of what we do, even what we're talking about right now, is deeply spiritual. And it's funny that you say that because I interviewed recently somebody who is, yeah, he's a psychologist, right? And he's very much grounded in science and all, has been his entire life. But then when I asked the question about what spirituality is or was, is to him, he said... Psychology, understanding our inner world, our thoughts, yeah. our emotions. So he immediately connected those two components: science, spirituality, psychology. It's it's all one. Yes, there's an undeniable piece to this that is spiritual, of course. What came to me recently is that I don't know if I heard somewhere. Yeah, I did from one of my guests. She said, "We are spirit beings." She actually didn't mm. say spiritual. She said, we are spirit beings. Mm. So that went even deeper. Like it grounded me in that moment. And I felt like, yeah, that's it. It's, it was almost like a remembrance of what this is, of what I am in a sense, not as a person, but a spirit. It resonates true. On your website, you use the phrase, find freedom, joy, and purpose. Of course, you say a lot more and you talk about yourself and your story. Um, but I would love to ask you a few questions about these words. They're, they're very inspiring words, especially freedom. So my question is, what is freedom from your perspective, Christian, as of this moment? That's a great question. What is freedom? I'd say today what freedom to me is, is a sense of being it's a it's a it's a way of being um that takes into account all that you are and can meet all that you are and all that you as you journey through life engage with with a sense of acceptance the good the bad acceptance that to me is freedom being able to be in any room with any person in any situation and meet it with acceptance, be it good or bad. Yeah, that's a, a powerful state of being, of mind, of heart even. I remember going through my own healing journey, if we can call it that, uh, in a sense of mm -hmm. changing. I love the way you said that. It's a change. Who knows? Might be life just changing itself because I don't see 
myself as having a life, but being life. And life is about cycles. Something's always renewing, ending, and then dying, and then something else is replacing it. And it's incredible how it works. And I remember thinking when I was depressed, I'm not sure if I was feeling depressed or really clinically depressed, but I remember having this very powerful kind of realization that acceptance was needed in order to heal in that moment. I was holding on to the past and that was, had been a, a very unpleasant and painful experience. So acceptance came to me as a powerful guidance. And then now has changed and I see more as trust. So instead of accepting this reality as it is, or certain, certain situations, some violence, you know, we see so much of that. I just kind of trust that it will be okay, but not okay for me, but just that it's already perfect as it is and this is happening, not for a reason, but because it's meant to happen in a sense of a design as I was trying to alert off record. So talk to me for a moment about trusting life, the idea of trust, and also life having a design in doing what it does. Yes, yes. Well, and I think, you know, the, a great point that illustrates this is um, recently I, uh, I, I got a puppy and I've, I've never had a, uh, a dog before, right? But he's, he's very young and he's, he's, uh, he's unlike any other dog I've ever met and unlike any other dog most people have ever met. He just, he is so full of energy and everyone says that, but it's unreal how much energy this puppy has. And Something else that comes up a lot is um, my coming and going, right? I, I go into my office, I leave him, and he has an experience with that. And for him, he makes meaning of me leaving, and that he doesn't feel a good feeling. And he, he makes meaning that maybe um, I'll never come back. Maybe I did something wrong, and, and now Christian doesn't want to be around me anymore. And I think that's that's kind of what we're getting at with the design piece of we don't know the the full picture of it and oftentimes what i find people do is they've pathologized or they've made meaning of certain things in their life and the story's not over the story's not over right i come back home to mickey (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know and, and 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 things are good again right and and so there's this trust um that i think you're kind of hinting to of trusting that there is design uh in, in the christian tradition we call it faith we have we have faith in god that that there is a a thing going on that's much bigger than than we can see given our vantage point and i find with clients that's something that comes up again and again and again there's a there's something we experienced something they experienced there's a way they saw it and there's a meaning they made of it and it creates a feeling for them that they're struggling to let go of right because maybe me being in pain means I'm bad. Maybe me being in pain means I'm unworthy. It means something to them. And when we can zoom out and start to question our beliefs and our meanings, life can get a lot more fulfilling. So in a way, we are storytellers. We're very good at it, of creating all kinds of meanings and ways of relating to what happens or what it is happening. 
that makes so much sense. And with that in mind, the topic of this conversation today, it's um, a relationship with pain and how to shift, how to change that. So with that in mind, do you see a difference between pain and suffering? I do. I see a, a massive difference between pain and suffering. I'm really glad that you brought that up. And I think in, in culture, we use these words interchangeably, right? We, we see pain and suffering as synonymous with one another. Um, I, I have a very different view of that. Um, I think uh, suffering is what we experience when we don't know how to sit with pain. And, and so what oftentimes happens, and I find this a lot, especially in the, the, the positive psychology, the self-help space, which I think has a lot of really great qualities. I think there's a lot that's really, really good about it. I subscribe to most of it. Um, but what I think happens sometimes, if we look under the hood a little bit, is people are oftentimes chasing happiness. They're chasing joy. They're trying to chase fulfillment really because they're running from something else. They're trying to run away from a feeling that they have or belief that they have. And so what they've decided to do unconsciously is they've decided to, uh, well, I'm just going to focus on the other thing. And then maybe I'll stop feeling this. Maybe if I get enough of you know, a good feeling, then I won't feel the bad feeling anymore. And I think the, the most clear example that we would all say, hey, this is problematic, is, is, the, uh, is the drug addict, right? They're trying to get to a good feeling because they're feeling something that's uncomfortable that they don't know how to sit with. And that is what is create, that's what creates the suffering in their life. Because what's happening is they're not addressing the pain, right? They're not actually addressing the pain. They're running from it. And so it creates chaos and turmoil in their life and their relationships. It just creates problems. And so what do we do then? You know, and this is a very un, you know, uncommon um, idea in some ways. But what we have to do is we have to learn how to sit and face our own pain. And when we do, it changes us. It transforms us. And the pain in some ways becomes less painful and it pushes us to grow, right? It causes us to question our beliefs, you know? And ultimately, I've found it, at least in my clinical experience, to be a really good thing, a really healing thing for people, you know? Because now it's not about, I didn't, I didn't run away from the big monster. I fought the monster and I conquered it. And that changes the experience. And that changes not only your view of what that fear or that pain was, it changes your view of you. That makes a lot of sense, of course. Um, but how do we do that? How do you um, go by this process of befriending pain? What is the first step, second? I would love to hear more, Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good question. What specifically do we do? What, what's the, the model for this? I think the first piece is the recognition, right? Where is there pain in my life that I'm perhaps running from? right? What am I running from? Am I running from a belief that I'm inadequate? Am I running from something that was traumatic that happened to me that shifted how I view myself? What am I running from? And oftentimes we find that it's tied to experiences and tied to beliefs. So that's the first thing that we have to look at. We have to look at our experiences in our life. We have to look at our beliefs. We have to look at the things we don't want to look at. That's step one. The second thing that I find to be really helpful is is contextualizing our understanding of pain because there are areas in which 
know, most people would say, yeah, pain is, is not a good thing. It's a bad thing. But when we look at certain areas of our life, we would also disagree with that statement. And I think at this point, it's really a powerful thing as a second step to look at, well, where, where can I challenge even my belief around pain? I think the gym is a great example. Here we go to the gym and we sweat and we're uncomfortable. Like, what, what about that sounds good? Yeah, right. <laughs> but what's the outcome? The outcome is I, I'm transforming my body. I'm, I'm, and it renews me from a, uh, from a, from a mental standpoint, right? The, the dopamine, the, the chemicals that are going on up there, it, it shifts things for me. I, I can meet life with more clarity. I start feeling pride in this work that I'm doing. The work in, in, the, in me engaging in the work, I'm building a sense of self and a sense of pride in self, right? So there are ways in which we challenge this. Another example I think is hunger. I think that's another really great example of pain. It informs us. It's a teacher. Hey, you need to eat. <laughs> you know, there's these, these little places where pain can be helpful. And so we want to keep those at the forefront as we engage in this process of looking at the pain, looking at the beliefs. And then the third step is we want to do this with people that we trust, people that we can be vulnerable with. We need community as we do this. Co community and connection is wired into the, the fibers of our being. We can look at neuroscience. We can look at biology. We can look at um, sociology, being a part of a tribe, right? If you weren't part of a tribe, the saber-toothed tiger would get you and that wouldn't end well, right? So there is this, there's this need for connection that we have on every level. And so even through this process, we need connection. And so those are, those are the three foundational pieces. And then I think the rest is your journey. I think the, your beliefs are your beliefs and how, this, how you work it through is unique to you. And in some ways, we can't predict the program, right? We have to run it. We actually have to engage with the process to see what comes out of it. I can't predict how this podcast would go. I have a general sense of what we're going to talk about. But then I meet you and you meet me and we talk about things and it brings up questions and it brings up answers and it brings up thoughts and it becomes what it's supposed to become. And you said that earlier too, that we don't know, we don't have that big picture. So we don't know what's going to become. But um, going back to the feeling good or what it feels good. And I remember having a lot of conversations here about feeling good, that that's one of the measurements for happiness, joy, contentment, peace, and all these beautiful states of mind, of being. So I have heard that before, of course, too, about feeling good, this pursuit of always feeling good. It's actually very deceiving. And we can end mm. up um, becoming addicts of something or slaves of something. Yes. Yeah. There's this, there's this almost this belief that uh, if I'm not feeling good, there's something wrong with me rather than, well, you're not feeling good. And maybe that's something that your spirit would feel because there's more to life than just feeling good in every moment. Right. It's just part of being human. Yeah. I just like listening to it. It's almost like this a reminder of truth. That's what it is. Um, it's wonderful to listen to you just now. It just um, it doesn't feel good. It's, I think it's not meant to feel good, but it feels true. And it seems like we're all seeking truth. The experience in the human body. It's not about feeling good, but 
feeling what is true, getting that to be truth to be translated into feelings, emotions. It seems to me. So with that in mind, I guess I'll ask you a question that I usually ask everyone. What is the human experience? What's the purpose of the human experience? What would you say, like, without thinking too much? <laughs> yeah, the purpose of the human experience. I see it as becoming who we were designed to be. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's different for every person. And I don't think that um, we totally know what that is. And I think it's an ever-changing thing, right? We're dynamic, so it's ever-changing. But that's what feels true to me. So the message to me is, in this moment, it goes back to trust. So trust in the design. Whatever brought me here, I trust that that knows where I'm going. What this body, mind, conditioned body, mind, it's going. So it is, it goes back to trust. And as you said, from the Christian belief system, a faith, that's the other word we can use. So trust, faith. Huh. That's very powerful, isn't it? For me, it has been trust, faith. I use trust more because perhaps faith, it's kind of associated to not experience or not knowing fully, which I don't think we can know anything fully. But there's something about like blindly just kind of trusting something when I think about faith. But this trust sounds more grounded in experience. Like I have been through enough experiences now to know that I can trust life. I can trust God. I can trust the universe. How do you feel around this those two words. Do you feel the same way or is it just me? <laughs> no, I think I think that's a great way of, of putting it. And yeah, I, I think there's there's uh, an understanding we have of these words that's based on our experiences and and, and how culture sees them. Right. And yes, I, I, I agree with you that faith sometimes feels a little ungrounded, this idea of faith and trust. To me, it's funny as you say that trust to me active word. It feels like I'm making more of a decision. I'm choosing to trust. Faith feels kind of like a a, a a lean back where trust feels a little bit more like a lean forward. So I, I, I resonate with what you're talking about. Absolutely. With that in mind, I'll go back to the topic of pain, creating or having a better relationship with pain. How do we learn to see pain as a teacher, as you mentioned? a teacher, a friend, how do we learn to trust those painful experiences and emotionally or physical? Is that also a process, Christian, a personal process, or you can give us some insight on how to navigate? Yeah. yeah, well, I think it's, I think you're right. I think it's both. I do think there's a, a personal element that, that we have to kind of explore and trust is built. Right. Right. Yes. Trust. Trust is oftentimes built, um, and especially with what we're talking about, there's almost a a uh, distrust in this idea because um, society encourages feeling happy and discourages pain, and that is true. I mean, if we go back to olden days, you know, our fear of pain makes sense. It's the thing that's kept our bloodlines here on the planet as long as it has. It's it's the fight or flight. It's the assessing of danger. 
Um, pain is a good teacher. For every story I can tell you of pain being helpful, I can, I can share a story of pain, um, you know, touching a stove and it being hot, right? And I think the, the bigger thing is recognizing that, that pain is always going to happen. I don't think we can outrun pain. And so learning how to experience it differently, accepting it as part of life. You know, we do that with all these other things. We talk about acceptance. We talk about uh, building trust with these other parts of our lives. But we don't do that with pain. It's always, it's always the, 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 uh, the, the friend who's not invited to the dinner party but ends up showing up. And yes, I think when we can, when we can make peace with that, it changes things. And I think part of how we do that is we engage with it. And we also, before that, we realize that there are ways in which pain has been helpful and has been informative. You know, it is the thing. Pain, in some ways, is the um, covert friend of our ancestors, right? It's what's kept us alive, being able to be in touch with that pain. And so it's a great teacher. It's just, are we listening? A question that comes to me in this moment is, how do we learn to discern between necessary pain, per se, that is uh, it's arising as a teacher, and self-inflicted pain, in a sense of just being caught up in the cycle patterns of abuse, being abused, self-abused or abused by others? How do we learn the difference? Right. That's a great question. Yeah. How, how much of this is a healthy teacher? How much of this is uh, self-sabotage or something that's self-inflicted and could otherwise be avoided and should be avoided. Hard to distinguish it when we're just looking at it by ourselves. And it's, this gets back to that third point of we have to have community in our life because our friends, our family, the people in our life are going to help us distinguish it. No man is an island, right? And so having those people will help us contextualize it, be that a therapist, a friend, uh, a rabbi, a pastor, a, a spiritual leader, just somebody influential in your life. That is how we start to distinguish what's really going on. It's hard to look at, it's hard for me to see my own nose without a mirror, right? And that's what friends and relationship does, is it uh, surrounds us with people who can really see not only what's going on internally, but also how it's showing up externally, how it's presenting. And, and I think that's the power of the community have to have community to really be able to answer those questions well and a trusted community this can't just be anybody this has to be people that um that you hold in regard that's a beautiful another beautiful answer from you yes community connection yes healthy connections a trillion times yes to that Another, not just beautiful answer, but also insightful message. <laughs> uh, you made me think now. Well, that's what I do here. I keep doing that. It's probably one of the reasons why I engage with this podcast and I write and I'm always trying to be in touch with healers and people like yourself, therapists and all these beautiful, amazing human beings. Because something in me, it seems like I have been just on this pattern of having relationships in my life that they are always very painful. And I never understood why is this repeating itself? And I was in this moment, really, I mean, I'm, I'm leaving it now. I'm not able to do anything about it. I mean, aside from being aware that this is happening. So I know that there's something here that's a pattern. 
but in a lot of the spiritual work, it's guiding me. But because I trust life, I'm not trying to get rid of it or I'm not trying to push away anything, but just watching and seeing where this is taking me. Of course, with the support of all of you, because these are my sacred moments. So it kind of, um, it gives me some perspective and opens up the mind to something else bigger. I think that's a really great, I think that's a great thing that you're sharing. And especially for the audience who's listening to this, I think a powerful point that you're implicitly making is that at every point in our journey, and, and you've done so many episodes and you've, you've written books and there's so much that you've done, we still experience these things, right? Are we, we still deal with pain. It doesn't take pain away. We just sit with it perhaps differently, you know? And, and I think that's, that's a great point that, uh, that no, no matter where we are, um, that, that we do experience it, you know, and part of why, funny enough, part of why it's been so hard for us to find, um, it was so hard for us to find a date and to get all this together and, and uh and and whatnot was because of a um a pain i was going through i i lost someone very very important to me um that i had seen three weeks ago and then they had a stroke and they're in a in a hospital bed and families gathering around to be with this person on father's day no less right could, could we think of a a worse day to have something like this happen um and walking out of that hospital there was a moment where uh, we we went to we'd been there all day and we just went to grab a a bite to eat and we're eating and you know I'm talking with my family and there's this realization of we have to go back and and this will be goodbye or since we're Christian um, you know we see it more as a see you later right uh, but but there will be this there will be this departure happening and going back into that hospital room and and sitting there with this loved one of mine and being there and crying and saying farewell for now, there's a intense pain that was felt. And, and as the day came to a close and I, my father and I walked out of the, uh, the hospital room, you know, we talked about it and something to somehow, I don't remember who said it, but one of us said, you know, this was, one of the most painful things I've experienced in my entire life, and yet I wouldn't shave a second off of it, right? Our pain is meaningful. Our pain is meaningful. And when we're always trying to run from it, we, one, we don't learn from it, we don't feel it, and we're kind of, in some ways, abandoning ourselves in it. We're abandoning a part of ourself in that pain. We aren't catching ourselves, you know? But when we can embrace it, we start to change the relationship with it, and it can be an important and a valuable and a treasured moment, even though it's a hard one. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that, Christian. And earlier in the conversation, we were talking about how life is constantly showing us a way to love. It's guiding us to love, isn't it? When you say meaningful, finding meaning behind pain, that's what I see. It's uh, love. So that's what it is, gratitude, love, joy. That's what's on the other side. You've been saying that throughout the conversation today, incredibly clearly, how this experience in the human body has everything to do with both pain and joy. 
So pain, it's always part of this, this experience as a human being. Yeah, yeah, and it contextualizes our joy. It makes the joy that much sweeter, right? When we've been working out and, and we've lost 50 pounds, 100 pounds, 80 pounds, whatever that number, 20 pounds, doesn't matter. But we've gone through this hero's journey, right? The joy is that much sweeter because of what we've gone through. It intensifies the good feeling. Yeah. In many ways. We're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, Christian, would you like to add anything else that you left unsaid? That's a good question. Anything that's left unsaid. I think maybe what could be said has either been left unsaid or said a bit more is speaking to the fear around engaging with pain in this way. There's... There's a real fear around it. There's a fear, I think, that that we'll, uh, we'll fall into this pit and we won't be able to get out of it. And, um, and, and, I, and rightly so. I think there's many people that we've come across that, that what, what we're perceiving is they're in pain and they haven't gotten out of a hole. And we see it stunt their life and it stunts how they engage with the world. And so we try to stay in this in this. Uh, healthier happier place you know uh, not not only for ourselves but because of the people around us that we care about um and and i would say what we're actually seeing there is um is not pain but we're seeing the suffering that's what happens when we don't address the pain right and i truly believe that that um because i've seen it time and time again. i see it every day in my office i see people confront their pain and liberate themselves from their suffering. And that's really where the freedom is found, right? That's where the love is found. That's where the real joy is found. It's not this airy fairy thing. It's full of depth and meaning. And there was a journey to get there and there's a pride in where a person is. And um, I guess on that point, I think that uh, there's, there's no better day than today, right? There's no better moment than now. This is, this is all we're guaranteed. Why not? Right. And so I would really, I guess, as, as a final thought, encourage uh, people on this idea to to try this experience out almost maybe even as a thought experiment. What would it be like to see pain differently? How would that change me? Could I be more authentic? Could I be more mm. free if I did mm. and see where it takes you? Thank you so much again for your presence in this reality, in the healing reality, the spiritual world, and for being you, Christian, for being open to life. I really appreciate your presence. Thank you. Of course. Thank you for having me. What do you feel is the world's greatest need at this time? I'm going to say a word that yeah. I think a lot of people have heard, and I'm going to contextualize it with another word. So the word that came to mind initially when you said that was love. I think a lot of people have heard that the world needs more love, but to define what I mean by love is genuine acceptance of all that you are and all that you aren't and your successes and your failures, true unconditional love or true unconditional acceptance. And my last question is what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Mm. Besides unconditional love. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a wonderful question. Three experiences. I want a person, one, to have the experience, the realization, epiphany maybe, that there's more going on than they realize. The second experience I would like them to have is the realization that it's okay to not be able to control. And the third experience I'd want them to have is a sense of pride in who they become. When I hear you say pride, I think about self-trust and self-love. That's my translation. That's interesting. Yes. Right? Self-trust. Great translation. Self-love. Thank you so much again, Christian, for sharing your presence, everything that it's natural, it's in you naturally. It's just beautiful to see that human beings expressing themselves from that place of some say authenticity, but to me, it's just being natural. So thank you so much for that. It's inspiring too. Of course. Thank you for having me. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects? Yes, you can reach me at christianholmestherapy.com. Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, like the religion, Holmes, like Sherlock, H-O-L-M-E-S, therapy, as we all spell therapy.com. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Christian. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Christian Holmes and his work, please visit ChristianHolmesTherapy.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.